Welcome to our new season of the Richness Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they have faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them, and what tips they then have for girls of my age. Today, my guest is Karen Webmoss, who is currently the chair of British Women. Karen has had an amazing career in sport, having worked in 10 Olympic Games, the Paralympic Games, as well as the Commonwealth Games. Um, she has also worked at the IAAF World Championships, FIFA and the Rugby World Cups. So a very wide and very interesting path to where you are now. Karen is also chair of More Than Equal, um, a, non, a not-for-profit initiative that aims at creating female F1 champions. Thanks for joining me today, Karen. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role that you now have today? Okay, lovely to meet you, Grace, um, and and hello to to all your your listeners. Um, well, certainly, <clears throat> I'm not an F1 racing driver, or never and never was, and I'm not an elite swimmer. So I'm constantly asked how I've spent nearly 30 years in sport. Um, I really I got into it through um, communications, corporate affairs, then working in marketing and then um, working in strategic planning. So mm-hmm. mostly my um, my sort of day to day business that I have is about consulting with countries or brands or events or sports on on their you know strategic reason for being so working with like a middle east country as to what they can do with sport and sporting events so yeah not not through being an athlete so um can you tell me a little bit about your your path up until this point as i mentioned you've worked in many different you know sports competitions can you tell me a little bit about um you know each one Okay, so um, I was a journalist and um, and then I went from journalism into sort of public relations communications for actually the drinks industry in Australia. I was living um, there at the time and then into the TV broadcast industry, but very much working on the corporate affairs communication side. And when Sydney won the Olympics, I was... I just thought that was the most exciting thing ever to happen to a country as as people that uh, that lived during the London 2012 experience here in the UK might might understand. And I was determined to get involved. So um, eventually, after contacting, you know, probably 30, 40, 50 people, I eventually got an opportunity to talk to the marketing director. He happened because I, I was pushy, not too pushy, still still a bit young and, and nervous. But um, I convinced him to meet me, look at my CV, and I got a, a short-term consulting project for three months to look at the launch of Sydney 2000 logo, so their whole image and brand. And that's how I started. And I worked for the Sydney Organising Committee for four and a half years. And then I moved to Switzerland to work for the International Olympic Committee, ended up working there for eight and a half years, left as Vice President of Image and Marketing Communications, then uh, came to London from Switzerland and worked on the 2012 Games in lots of different roles. I was executive director of the Olympic Park um, Legacy Company, working um, with the mayor and and the government on the planning for the um, Olympic Park in the East End of London. And 
And from there, I've worked in the Middle East um, for for six, eight years. So working on the World Cup, um, working with the Qatar organizers. And now I work um, as a strategic consultant with Bahrain, with Saudi. And um, and I got the opportunity. I was rung up to see if I was interested in in a, a, the a chief executive role at British Swimming. And that didn't really fit with my business that I was trying to, to build a portfolio. So I became the chair. So I've been the chair of British Swimming, um, which is the elite end of, of swimming. So we're focused on putting that Olympic and Paralympic team together. Um, and then out of that profile, I was approached about this new this new and very exciting and challenging initiative to try and get more girls into motorsport and find an F1 champion who's a female. Wow, you've, you've had such a, you know, a filled with variety career. I just love how you've pretty much touched on most sports, which I'm <laughs> sure gives you such a good outlook on all sports. Um, and I think what you're doing now in both, you know, British swimming and creating the you know female f1 champions is such a great thing and definitely something that we need to see more of um i just i think it's great (laughs) (laughs) well we need to inspire young girls and and young women we need to inspire you and show you that there are different you know no one can say no and the founder of um more than equal i know you you want to talk about that a bit later but one of the founders is david coulthard who's a formula one um 13 time race uh winner and the other is um a, an entrepreneur who has two two girls and two boys and he never wanted to be the dad that said that you couldn't and yeah. for too long motorsport hasn't had the enough women entering it staying in it working in it so we need to get girls into sciences and onto the engineering side but uh, on the track side we need to get you know to show the girls that there's no reason why they can't drive a, a formula one car definitely so when you were at school did you have any idea about what you wanted to do or be or did that happen perhaps later in life uh yes it, it happened later in life the only thing i was determined that I wanted to do was and dreamt of doing was being an actress <laughs> and and those kind of drama I studied drama as 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 well but uh, uh went to went to acting school and and dropped out um so yeah wanted to do that for a while I think those skills come in quite um quite handy and in, in presenting and and in any trying to even if I'm pretending to be confident in a room of strangers when sometimes you know you're not and then um, very shortly, I wanted I, I wanted to go into journalism, so that I did um, a postgraduate in in journalism after I went to college. Yeah, so I know that you went to university. You mentioned so. How important do you think it actually is to go to university, especially with all the graduate schemes and apprenticeship schemes that you can definitely find in most companies for young people nowadays? Yeah, I think I think there's more choice now. Um, I think for me. Um, at the stage when you know either you know I remember you know wanting to act and my parents said do you know do your GCSEs do your A-levels go to college get a degree and then you can go to drama school and by that time I realized that I wanted to to do more and and work I think there's a lot more options a lot more choices I think there's a lot of even if if um, you know we want to go to college now we can do more uh, you know 
what they call BTEC, VTEC. So you can you can do more industry and technical um, studies. And, you know, I think there are a lot more graduate graduate and non-graduate undergraduate schemes and and work experience. So I think there's a debate. Um, you know, personally, I, I think that obviously, you know, it's it's a real privilege to have the opportunity to go and study something, whether you know you want to work into it for four, three or four years. Um, but of course, for a lot of people, when the time you finish school, you just really if you know what you want to do, then you'll you'll go for that. And my, my daughter, who's studying array levels as we speak, um, is trying to decide that now. She knows she wants to go into the film industry. But does she go on a university course or does she try to? to to get in from from the very um bottom so i think i think there are there are mixed i mean it's a great opportunity but there there's now a lot more choice yeah i agree so the world is developing a lot and extremely quickly too frankly it's quite scary um yeah. the rate as it's happening um so what do you think work for women may look like in 10 years or perhaps what do you hope it may look like that is a great question. If it's scary for you, Grace, imagine what it's like for for me who's been working <laughs> for thirty years, trying to keep keep up with uh, trends and and changing um, tech. I think generally how what the workplace will look like in five years, let alone ten years, is as you say, unbelievable. There's there's so much changing um, innovation tech. Um, you know, virtual reality, um, AI. We've got huge corporations now that that take over and manage so much. I think that can be quite scary. Um, but but certain things have to change, like uh, you know, being ethically responsible, being more responsible around the environment, sustainability, and um, equality, diversity, and inclusion. So what I hope would happen is that it's just a no-brainer that women and and young, you know, um, girls and women at the forefront of that. I think we have more choice in what we want to study, um, and and I think that the skills that will be needed are greater degree of flexibility. Um, resilience. Um, I think more more girls studying sciences and doing well in them that will give more opportunities. And I think it's it's our it, it's the characteristics of of women and and our resilience, flexibility, all of those things. Older women, I think, will be you know there's hope for us yet that we can go back into into the workplace and and I think we can we can have both. I've had children and I've had. Um, a career so um, I just think that we need to strengthen the EDI we need we need more opportunities for girls particularly in minority areas um, and ethnic you know more ethnic ethnic diversity but um, I just think the future is is really positive. Yeah I agree Um, I can definitely imagine a bright future I mean you mentioned tech AI definitely very like advancing very quickly and I hope that by the time you know in 10 years time both you know tech work and also equality will both be moving equally as fast as it rightfully should be. Exactly and I think you know what the, the the studies and and the more hands-on practical industry studies that that has been done more in schools will, will just give you growing up way more opportunities than than yeah. we had right across the board. Mm. So as part of our 
Reach Next Generation Summit, we look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from the black and minority communities. Do you think as a society we are seeing more quality in all areas of your lives and, you know, especially in sports? Um, in all areas, no, we've got a long, a long way to go. We've got a, um, in, in some, you know, even in, let's say sports, because obviously that's what I've been working in for the last 26, 30, 30 years. In the boardroom, we've got a hell of a long way to, to go. We just, you know, I think of British women and we just don't have um, the the inclusiveness that that we need to have. And since I've become chair, that is something I'm I'm striving to understand. I mean, as a sport, um, it's not like athletics on on the field of play where you do see, you know, really mixed mixed race and ethnic backgrounds. We don't have that in swimming, so we have to. Um, we have to address that. I'm working closely and, and trying to understand the issues working with the Black Swimming Association. I'm looking at, at new schemes like the Board Apprentice Scheme that give um, children from all di- you know different and varying ethnic backgrounds and, and, and cultures, giving them opportunity to, to get inside a boardroom um, and, and learn those skills. So I think in terms of management leadership, of international sports federations or governing bodies, we've still got a long way to go. We, you know, even the amount of women that are in leadership positions, it, it's improving, but it's it's still it's it's absolutely um, you know not where certainly not fifty fifty and certainly not where it needs to to be. So uh, no, across you know on the on the field of play on the track in some sports very very strong, and we just need to. You know, girls need role models. If you, you know, we say something in, in more than equal, you, you know, you've got to see what you want to be. Um, so if we don't see a female, an F1 driver, then how do we know how to get there and what's our inspiration? So yeah, you know, there's some good things happening, but we've still got a long way to go. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully, as I mentioned before, in 10 years time, it will be a lot, you know, a lot more equal as it should yes. be. Yeah, absolutely. So you just mentioned your work, you know, more than equal. And, you know, what you really want to do in that is increase equality in both ethnic minorities and, you know, women equality. Can you tell me a little bit more about your work there and also, you know, their plans for the future? Okay, so as I said, More Than Equal was founded by um, David Coulthard. Um, It's quite a personal story for David. He was a very successful F1 driver. He always believed his sister, one of his sisters, was a really good um, driver when they were karting together. But, you know, it's often the, the boys and the young men that get the opportunity, the funding, they get noticed. There's far more of an obvious and traditional path um, for boys who, who might want to go in, into Formula One from karting F4, 3, 2 and then eventually F1. And um, so more than equal is, is you know, in, in a nutshell, um, you know, we don't want to make it easier for women. We want to make it equally as hard. And that means more opportunities. Um, we need more girls to to go in at the, the grassroots level um, into karting and to show them uh, the pathway to the top. And that means um, we have to be evidence driven data. We have to find out because no, 
amazingly in 2023 um, with me coming into this this F1 space. People can't tell you where are girls driving? Why do they drop off? Why are their careers at karting when they're juniors, you know, tend to finish at 10 or 15 um, years old? And um, so once we found out all that, we're working with um, industry experts to develop a program that is totally and it'd be the first ever female driver development program so that's looking taking a young girl like you and saying right you've got you know you've got innate ability there's something in you that's good at at, um at karting we're going to help you um, match funding the sponsorship but we're going to look at every element of your physical strength psychological strength and show you the opportunity so that you can drive because at the moment there is no um, men versus women uh, series. So there's lots of initiatives out there. We can't do this alone, but um, yeah, we've got a long way to go. So it may be 10, 12 years before we see um, someone your age, uh, you know, on the podium at the F1, but that's our ambition. Yeah. And, and that program that you're, you know, creating, it sounds great. And I'm sure that many uh, young girls, from all areas of life will really benefit from that as you know you look at everything that will be covered and I feel like it it will give them kind of an insight into the professional life which I think they were feeling really cool and I even find really cool listening about <laughs> yeah well we've um I think you know you'd be aware that the you know successful series drive to survive on on Netflix and mm-hmm. even though that's that's made more girls even my daughter's watched it with me more girls interested in Formula One majority you know our research shows us that that they don't know that girls can drive Formula One you don't know how to get there you don't know um, and F1 is doing a lot to go into schools and universities to talk about opportunities as race engineers or race strategists so again that's more girls studying sciences but but, you know, the first job we've got to do is to debunk the myths. You know, there's no reason we do not believe and nor do the experts working in this, that there's any reason why a woman cannot have the physical or mental strength to drive a, an F1 car. Definitely. So um, do you still have any professional or personal ambitions for your life? Um, Still, that makes me sound like a great granny, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I guess to to keep yeah I do I mean my ambition a lot of my ambitions around wanting my children to be happy and uh and do what they want to do um the ambition now is is you know I want to try and improve the sport of 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 swimming and obviously short we, we we're set some goals by UK sport and you know short term we need to win medals in Paris so that that motivates me and obviously with more than equal um you know I want the F1 industry to listen to us to listen to our research and to work together to work with us and I'd love to see that if you know if I you know um in a, in a couple of years that we've already got a few young women on our program and they're learning how to be um an F1 driver so I think it's, you know, generally to to still make an impact. So if I'm working with, you know, Abu Dhabi on on their sports program because they want to use sport to try and improve the lives of girls and boys in Abu Dhabi, that I'm still making a difference. So that that keeps me motivated. So if you could spend an hour just chatting to three people, say (laughs) over a coffee or a tea, to be entirely honest, anything that you really want. Okay. um, who would they be 
and why? That is really good. You know, I, I, I glanced, I was running from a meeting to, to get back to talk to you. And I glanced at this and, and initially I couldn't think of anyone because there are so many people. But to give you your three, um, there is a, a, a woman driving change in the Middle East who I think is very impressive. And that's a Saudi um, princess, Princess Rima. And in the space of three, four years, Women are allowed to drive. Ever we we've read about that. Women are allowed to um, go into shops and and try clothes on. I mean, it sounds such a simple thing, but um, uh, women are being educated in huge numbers. They're allowed to go to university, and Princess Rima is is a key force in driving change. I would love to talk to her because not only is she a, a great you know role model, but she's trying to do it in a traditional and and you know religious culture that's been that's been challenging but they are changing beyond belief it's so fast um the second one is um an, another woman she's re- she wrote a book called thrive and she's called ariana huffington of the huffington post um family and i loved her book because it was so down to earth it wasn't just about ambition and hard work and trying to have it all it was about really thriving we've got to um live and enjoy and love and be passionate and feel passionate so um that that that's something that that struck struck me and the other one I'd love to um sit down with and you know I vaguely met him uh, you know in passing but is Lewis Hamilton because yeah. what he achieved from his background and, and being the the first um, black, you know, driver and the the compromises and sacrifices his dad Anthony made and and look at where he's got to and he's a role model and an idol and but but someone that still manages even though the car's not been right this year with with Mercedes although he came came second at the Spanish Grand Prix on Sunday but I'd love to you know imagine the pressure there and and for him to still perform. At, at his best and, and to still even though he's been world champion he still wants to keep doing that yeah so what would you say are your non-negotiables so just the things Ooh. that you you won't compromise on um in both your personal and to be honest your professional life too okay um i wouldn't do anything compromise my children and my my husband um and my dog who's three today um and yeah um but no it's it's really and it's tough because when you're a young woman entering um you know a, a career or working for the company for the first time a company for a first time you often think you have to adapt you have to do what they're doing and I think I would now you know it's it's when you get a bit older and uglier and you know you've you've learned one way is I wouldn't compromise my own um self-belief um, so even though there's nagging voices and women often have this imposter syndrome, are we good enough? Am I really good enough to be chair of British swimming? You know, um, but uh, it, it's that it's your personal values. That's what's really, um, really important to me to remain true to myself. And even as a consultant, if I'm giving advice, I never, um, you know, I. I'm always honest and I'll say to them, you know, I, I, I need to be candid. This is my advice. And maybe I won't get the next contract with them or maybe they don't like it. But I, I will I won't compromise um, that that, you know, honesty and integrity. 
Yeah, I think that's a great thing because, you know, without honesty, there's not really much truth. And without truth, you never really know what's happening. And so I, I think those are some great non-negotiables to have as kind of a solid kind of foundation to, you know, your work and your personal life. Absolutely. And I hope hope the girls, it's difficult when you start out. But I, I, I work with a lot of young women wanting to work in the business of sport or on mentorship programs. And one of the things, you know, I'm often asked is if I look back, what advice and it, it would be try to be true to yourself. Don't don't bend. You know, of course, we have to learn. You have to grow. But don't you know, if you if you think inside something's not right, remember that voice. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. So I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Karen. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own futures and their own careers. So keep listening to the Rich Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us and our upcoming summits are at reachnextgeneration.com. Thank you to our partners and sponsors, Experian, Barclays, Domestic in General, Staffline and the Ardonna Group.